Welcome to the C2L Podcast. My name is Matt, and today we have Paul Neiman continuing our series called I Quit. And this week, he'll be talking about how complaining can get in the way of what God has for us and how to stop complaining. We hope that you are encouraged and guided by today's message. How are we doing, C12? I don't even know how to move on from what we just experienced. Honestly, I mean, that is the presence of God. Isn't that what we come for? We come to be wrapped up and overwhelmed, captivated, compelled by the presence of God. And if you're coming from any other reason than what we just experienced, I don't know what you're coming for. That, that is all we come for. That is, that is what we long for. And um, I'm just so grateful I got to experience it with you. Um, we're going we're gonna to continue this series. I'm going to try to move on as best I could. I, I'm messed up right now, just to so say, you know. Uh, we're going to move on with this series, I Quit. I Quit. And today we're talking about I Quit Complaining, right? I Quit Complaining. And uh, we're going to start this off with the only way that I know how, and it's a little bit risky, but we're going to follow the same suit like we have been doing for the last few weeks. You're going to share with me all the things that you complain about, <laughs> okay? So keep it PG, y'all, okay? I've been here for the last few weeks. I know you have trouble with that. Ah, PG-13. Uh, what do you complain about? Just give it to me. What is it? Carrots. I, I'm awake. Carrots? Carrots. Carrots. I messed up the first one. <laughs> what is it? Carrots. At restaurants. Rude customers. Oh, rude customers. What are they called? Carrots? I've, I've never... Look at... I knew I was going to... I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. Um, how about... Uh, first of all, I picked this awesome marker up. Uh, let's say rudeness. Is that what you're... Is that what you're saying? Carrots. I'm sorry. I don't know that term. Anybody else want to try me? Work. Work. That's right. Oh, taxes. Oh, my. Yeah, taxes. (laughs) Screw taxes. Okay. Yeah, taxes suck. Traffic. Thank you. Did you say that? Oh, thank you, God. Traffic. Oh, my goodness. Traffic. The Falcons. We should start a support group for the Falcons. All right, Falcons. Yeah, I'm going to put that with traffic. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. No it's, no, it's separate. You suck at doing that up there. I'm complaining about you. Okay, me. Let's just put me up there. <laughs> what else we got? Rain, all right, so just rain, not snow, not sleet, not, just, just rain, or all of it. All right, rain. Rain sucks. I actually love rain. I know. Who knew? Cops? How about we switch that to tickets? Okay. Uh, how, about we, how about we switch that, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you. That's a great one. Not enough time. Y'all know what that is. Not enough time. That's a really good one. Yeah. Oh, early mornings. Oh gosh. Early ness. <laughs> That's not a word. It's supposed to an I. Okay. Sorry. Is earliness a word? I don't know. What else we got? 
Uh, your parents? Or did you say ferrets? Okay, parents. All right, let's do family. Like, I'm going to be honest. I complain about my family too. My, never mind. Uh, <laughs> that was really close. <laughs> my mom listens to these. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't. She probably would. What do you got, Chance? School. School. Oh, my goodness. Can I get an amen? School. School. Couple more. Couple more. Talk shows? Opposite people. What did she say? Oh, toxicity. Toxic people. Yes. Toxic peeps. <laughs> what else we got? Sports? Chores? Yeah. And you? Chores and bills. All right. All right. Chores, bills. Oh my gosh. Bills. I just turned permanent power on my new house. No, it's so bad. Um, give me a couple, like, 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 try me a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, give me. Give me in your life, COVID. There we go, COVID. Oh, that, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Let's go. Politics. People who talk about politics. People who think they know politics. People. Never mind. I'll stop. <laughs> what is it? Politicians. <laughs> all right, that's good. That's good. That's good. Here's what my point is. We all complain, right? We complain about everything. I think for me, um, if I could put all of my complaints in like one arena, it would be like slowness. Like my Wi-Fi's too slow. My uh, TV getting from app to app is too slow. Uh, my computer is too slow. Uh, download speeds is too slow. It's the same as Wi-Fi. What is too slow? I need to pay for patience. Thank you. Preaching my own sermon at me right now. Um, uh, yeah, all, all of it is too slow. Traffic is too slow. This sermon's probably going to seem too slow to you. Um, it's just slowness is, is what uh, bothers me. And I'm really in this right now. I'm moving from one house to the next house, and things are moving slow. And I knew it was going to move slow because COVID slowed things down, but I didn't expect to be this. Like, I started this journey of putting my house up for sale last February, last February, February of 2020. And I wanted to get into my new house in August, 2020. In fact, I remember having a conversation with my wife. It's like, if we can only get in there with sale on Sailor's birthday in September, oh, it's going to be great. And then it was, oh, if we could get in there by Halloween, it'd be great. <sighs> Thanksgiving, great. Christmas, great. We have been in this process last, last February. We're still not in the house. So I could complain about my first biller, builder just jumping ship and leaving me after six months. So we have to start the process over. I could um, complain about the permit that was supposed to take 30 days, ended up taking 90 six days. I could complain about like the rain that happened January through March of 2021 that we couldn't move anything. I could complain about living with my in-laws for what was supposed to be one month. We're on month six, y'all, and we don't even have a basement. Like, 
We complain about everything, and I'm telling you, if I could sit in the seats and have Jesus talk to us right now, which I hope he's going to do, I could complain just as much as you do. We complain about everything. And if you look in the Bible, you can find people complaining in the Bible. Like Adam sinned, or Eve sinned, order matters, Eve sinned, and then Adam sinned, and then God had a lot of questions, and this is what Adam said. It said, God, this woman that you put here with me, it's her fault, complaining, right? Job, now admittedly, like Job had a lot to complain about. His whole world crashed, but even Job that God corrected later at the end of Job, this is what Job says, I loathe my very life. He's like, I hate my life. He says, therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint. It's like when someone says, I just need to vent. Anybody, anybody ask you that? I just need to vent. Can I just vent? What do you say? He's like, yeah, sure. What are you going to say? Like, no, don't vent to me. I mean, it's just somebody complaining. When I think about the Bible and I think about complaining in the Bible, there is one people group that comes to mind right away, and it's the Israelites. It's God's chosen people, the Israelites. You got to see this. The Israelites have been in slavery for hundreds of years, and they're in slavery by the Egyptians, and they're crying out to God like, over and over. God, why aren't you doing this? God, why are you not rescuing us? God, why, why did you have to do this to us? And they're complaining and they're whining over and over and over. God, rescue us from slavery. And the Bible says that the Lord hears their cries. He hears their complaints and he does miraculous things. Like he sends 10 crazy plagues that happen to soften the heart of Pharaoh so that Pharaoh will let them go. And then they complained when they were set free because they're on the edge of the Red Sea and so they start complaining. And then so God says, okay, well, I'm going to literally part the Red Sea so you can go on dry ground. Then they get over on dry ground. And then they're like, well, God, now we're in the desert. We have nothing to eat. So literally God rains down food from heaven. Like they don't got to hunt for it. They don't got to like work for it. They wake up in the morning and then just like gather all the food that fell on the ground. Then they're like, well, we got to have something to wash this down. We, we got to have water. So God gets water from a rock. Like he says, go to that rock and water comes out of it. And God's doing all of these things and God's showing up in all of these miraculous ways. And then what do the Israelites keep doing? They do what many of us do inside of the enormous blessing that God gives to us. They whined and they griped and they complained. Look at in Exodus chapter 14. It'll be on the screen behind me. He says, was it be, this, is, this is them to Moses and Aaron. They go, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians and then to die in the desert. We love being slaves. We loved it when we were chained. We loved it when we were whipped. We loved, we hate being here. We hate being free. We hate waking up and gathering food that we didn't work for. We hate getting water from a rock. We hate having clothes that never wore out is what the Bible says. We hate it. And then Moses finally responds to them after they kept grumbling and grumbling and grumbling. Chapter 16, a couple chapters over, Moses finally responds to them and says this, who are we? He's talking about him and, him and Aaron. Like, who are we? You're not grumbling against us. Who are they grumbling against? 
Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Could you imagine that every time we complained, that God took it personally? Listen, complaining offends the heart of God. What if every time we complained, God said, you're not complaining about this, that. You're complaining against me. What I want to do tonight is I want to ask you to personalize tonight's message. And I, w- I just want to give you 15, 20 seconds because I think it's going to come fast. I want you to think about the one thing that you complain about the most. And it could be homework or bills or not enough time. It could be those things. But I want you to think real hard. I want you to be honest. I'm not going to ask you to to shout it out, but I want it to be the filter. I want it to be the lens of which you hear this message. Think about that thing, okay? And what I want to do today, tonight, is I want to implore to you that none of these things are the problem. The thing in your head is not the problem. Having not enough time is not the problem. COVID is not the problem. Your bills, financial pressure is not the problem. School, family, your own self, rudeness, people that suck, work, taxes, those aren't the problem. Listen to me. The problem is that Satan, our spiritual enemy, has taken your eyes off of the goodness of God. That's the problem. And he has put your eyes solely on yourself. Let me say it again, because this has to matter to you. The problem is that Satan has distracted us so much that he has put our eyes solely on ourselves so where we can't see the goodness of God anymore, we can't see the grace of God around us anymore, we can't see the grace of God in other people anymore, we can't see the beauty and the majesty of God anymore, we can't see the magnificent Jesus anymore because we're distracted. That's the problem. That's the problem. Now, I'll admit, and I'm just gonna give you my strategy off the bat. This would be really easy for me to make you feel really guilty tonight. Like really easy. I could do it in two seconds. It could be really easy for make, to make you feel like, like you're the problem and you gotta fix it. But that's not what I wanna do tonight because we all complain, right? In fact, some of you probably complain on the way here. Some of you are probably complaining right now. Oh my God, I can't believe that there was no drummer tonight. I don't like acoustic worship. And oh my God, I can't believe I'm in this seat. And oh my gosh, I can't believe there's no food tonight. And oh my gosh, I can't believe it rained. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, why isn't Yonah speaking tonight? Because he's got that amazing Venezuelan accent and I can listen to it all night long. Listen, so could I. <laughs> 
that's not what I want to do. I don't want you to feel guilty tonight. Instead, I want to lift your eyes. I want you to be encouraged tonight. I don't want you to feel guilty or even convicted, although that's biblical and that's scripture. I believe in that. I want you to feel encouraged tonight. I want to lift your eyes to the goodness of God. I want to lift your eyes to see how beautiful Jesus is in you and in the person next to you and in the person that you can't stand. I want it to lift your eyes to see how good Jesus is and all the goodness that he does in the world. That's what I want to do. I want to encourage you today with that. And I hope, I hope it encourages you. So father, right now, God, I pray that we are encouraged today. I pray that we are encouraged to see the goodness of who you are. And I pray that it changes, it changes how we see you in Jesus name. Amen. So I want to do it by showing you uh, a text that is super profound. It's super powerful and you've heard it before. Okay. So We're going to spend some time in the book of Philippians. So if you have a Bible, open to Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter two. It's a book written by the Apostle Paul. And if anyone had any reason to complain in the Bible, probably besides Job, uh, because what happened with Job really sucked, uh, is the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul had every right to complain. And Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians while he's in Rome. In fact, it's the place that he's always wanted to go. It was, it was, it was his bucket list location. Just curious, what are your bucket list locations? Like, where do you want to go? Like, where do, would you love to go? Maldives. The Mall of Georgia? No, the Maldives. Okay, the Maldives. Is it Maldives or Maldives? Maldives. The Maldives. I knew that. Uh, what is it? Mall of Georgia? Oh, it is so funny. <laughs> I thought that's what he really said. Come on, guys. Mexico, okay, cool place. Germany, Hawaii. How many have been to Hawaii? I love Hawaii. Spain, okay. What is it? Space? Man, I cannot hear. <laughs> okay, so, so that was what this place was to Paul. Like, Paul always wanted to go to Rome. And the reason that he wanted to go to Rome, because he knew it wasn't for vacation or he wasn't because it was a a, a great geographic place that he could see sights and sounds. It was because he wanted to preach the gospel there. He knew that if he could influence Rome, if he could be a preacher in Rome, he could make so much ground for the kingdom. He could influence the world for Christ because Rome was at the center of everything. If he could go to Rome as a preacher, he could make an influence. He was thinking things like this. If I could go to Rome, I could could fulfill my calling as a preacher. If I could go to Rome, I could fulfill the very mission that God has put me on as a preacher. But Paul didn't go to Rome as a preacher. Instead, he was shipped to Rome as a prisoner. So you've got the dream of Paul, which is preacher. And then you got the reality of Paul, which is prisoner. By the way, how many of you have had a dream that was supposed to be A, and now you're living in the reality of B? Anybody? Yeah. How many of you have had a plan that you thought that was going to happen instead it didn't happen, instead of the very opposite happen? Okay. How many of you had, you get my point. We're all been there and that's where Paul is. And he is, he is in that, he is in that spot. And not just a prisoner, but he was locked up 24 hours a day for two years. So whatever you're coming in here with, with like, my life sucks and woe is me, and I'm going to complain. Paul was a prisoner for two years. And not just a prisoner, he was on house arrest. And many of you may not know this. 
House arrest in the Roman prisoner was like this. You were literally chained to a Roman guard every single day. So all of you extroverts are like, man, that would be awesome. That would be the best way to spend prison, uh, pri you know, your prison sentence. And then us introverts are like, that would be worse than in a cell by myself that no one ever came in. He had to be with a Roman guard 24 hours a day for two years. And if I'm Paul, I am tempted to complain, God, what are you doing? I have been serving you over and over and over. I've been doing everything that I can. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been snake bitten. I've been left for dead. All I've ever done is serve you. What are you doing? You ever had a conversation like that with God? God, what are you doing? I'm out here hustling. I'm out here trying to do my best and you still got me here. Like, what's up with that? Man, if I was Paul, I would be complaining all over the place. The floor is hard, the food is terrible, and this Roman soldier has like BO, like you wouldn't believe. It would, it, I'm like, God, what are you doing? Out of that mess, Paul writes Philippians. And so, pause. You ever know someone that puts on a front for Jesus? Like they act different and talk different because they want you to think that they love Jesus and know Jesus maybe more than you do. And so they change their behavior based on what they think people are gonna see or, or experience. You know people like that? That's not Paul. Paul knows the Philippians. Paul knows this church. He's friends with this church. He's, he, he knows them intimately. And when Paul is in prison writing the book of Philippians, he's not thinking, man, I got to make sure that they know that I'm not responding like I am responding. I got to make sure that they know I'm responding like Jesus because I want them to be encouraged because I know people thousands of years from now, thousands and thousands of years ago, they're gonna look at my book and they're gonna think, wow, Paul was awesome, good job, Paul. No, 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 Paul didn't know where this letter was gonna go. So out of his authenticity, out of his real soul and heart comes the book of Philippians, okay? Philippians chapter two, he says this, do everything without complaining and arguing so that so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Like that's a, that's a very high standard. And so listen, there's a lot of reasons why we shouldn't complain spiritually. I even like some practically, okay? So there's a author and a doctor. He wrote Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And um, what he says in that book is that um, complaining actually hardwires the mind for more complaining. So, so here's what this means. This means that when you're negative, 
you are more prone to be more negative. It's called a confirmation bias. It's you see things through your perceived lens of negativity. You've already made up your mind that you, you don't like something. And so when something happens that is in the arena of that something, you already perceive it as negative. That's why you know in your head of that negative person. That's what they do. They live in the negative. And the negative literally, chemically, scientifically hardwires the brain for more negativity. So in other words, you find what you're looking for. You find what you're looking for. If you want to find the bad, you're going to find it. If you look for the bad in the person sitting next to you, you're going to find it. If you look for the bad in your job, you're going to find it. If you look for the bad in your relationship, you're going to find it. If you look for the bad in your church, you're going to find it. And what you keep finding, you're going to focus on. So what you look for is what you find, and what you find is what you focus on. And listen, what you focus on, it starts to grow. What you focus on grows. That's why when you go in the, uh, the weight room and you see all the guys with the big, huge muscles and the itty bitty legs, they grow what they focus on. That's confirmation bias. So some of you already made up your mind, I'm going to hate tonight. And I don't even like C12 anyways. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even like 12, so I don't even know why I'm here. Well, good luck. Guess what? You're going to get what you are looking for. And that's sad. You know why? Because something that could really impact you, you've already written off. And God can't work. I talk to girls all the time. That sounded weird. I, <laughs> girls talk to me. That sounded weirder. Um, there's a group of women out there that say all men suck, right? All men are losers because one jackalope ruined your life and you think all men are, the ter are terrible. Well, good luck trying to get married because every man that's going to come in your life, you're like, nope, they suck. They're jerks. They're losers. It doesn't work like that. It's confirmation bias. So it's not only spiritual, it's practical. And I don't know about you, but... There is so much in the world that's already negative. There's all sorts of things that's already negative. I don't want to predetermine my mind and my heart to find more negative. No, no, no. I want to train my mind what to think. I, I want to train my mind for what is good. I want to train my thoughts to, to think the good. I want to train my eyes to see the good. I want to train my ears to hear the good. I want to train my thoughts to think the good. I want to train my hands to do the good. And I'm telling you, you can. If you think you do not have over control over your mouth, over your thoughts, over your eyes, over your ears, over the way your emotions feel about something, you are dead wrong. You can control it. I want to train myself to know the good. So what do we do as followers of Christ? Paul gives us the answer. This is so great. Paul essentially, with the way he lived and the way he wrote, would say this. If you can change your circumstance, then do it. If you can change your circumstance, then do something about it. But if you can't change your circumstance, then change your perspective. So I want us to say that out loud because I'm going to say it over and over. And you're going to just be like, man, I want to say that with you. Here we go. If you can change your circumstance, then do something about it. But 
If you can't change your circumstance, change your perspective. Thank you. If you can change your circumstance, then do it. If there's something that you can control, by God's grace, go for it. Change it. You know, so many times we think we can't change something. Here's probably a little bit of why. We love playing the victim. And so we're like, well, man, I'm complaining about this. And I'm well, then do something. Well, I just, I don't, I hate my boyfriend and he's a loser and he's mean to me and he's always, he's always treating me like, like, like bad. And <laughs> well, then break up with him. Like do something about it. Um, Paul was in the situation actually in Acts chapter nine, he was getting chased by the Jews and they were gonna kill him. And so instead of like, well, I'm gonna change my perspective, I'm gonna die for Christ. He's like, no, I'm getting the heck out of here. So he went down from a building on a basket and like left, he, he did something about it. If something is, is feeling inside of you that this isn't right, this isn't honoring to God and you have this holy dissatisfaction for something that you're in or you're getting mistreated, oh my gosh, do something about it. It. Do something about it. It's what Nehemiah did. Remember Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter one, he's the cupbearer and he sees all this stuff going on in Jerusalem. And so what did he do? He asked the king, hey, king, let me go over there and help my people build the wall. And the king said, yep, go ahead. He did something about it. Don't just post on social media either. Like do something about it. But if you can't change your circumstance, then change your perspective. Change what you say about it. Change what you th how you think about it. Change your perspective. Change uh, your, your emotions about it. Change how you feel about it. Change your perspective. I'm gonna prove to you that you have control over this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I love that. And that's exactly what Paul did. I love the way that he changes his negative circumstance that he would have been in incredibly tempted to complain about. Remember, he's locked up, he's in prison, he's chained to a Roman guard, and he's thinking, how in the world can I get out of this? It says in Philippians 2, but even if... Don't forget that. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from my faith, I am glad and I will rejoice with all of you. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering. This phrase was very familiar to the readers. This phrase in the Greek, it's summed up with one word and it's on the screen. It's called spindu. And uh, what, what happened is a long time ago, before we had Jesus to pay the penalty for all of our sins, we had to go to the priest and the priest would offer up an offering for all of our sins. And, and only a priest could go into the Holy of Holies. And, and so uh, what they would do is they would build this altar and on the altar, they would build this fire and this wood and they would put a, 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 a lamb or a ram on top of this fire. And the smoke would rise to the heavens and it would be a fresh offering to the Lord. And then they would pour the spindu. The spindu was their most precious liquid. And so in this time it was wine or sometimes even honey because honey was a, 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 on shortage, I guess. I'm not exactly sure. There might've been not enough bears. I'm not exactly sure. Bees. That's what I meant. Bees. There was a lot of bears and not enough bees. 
So they would pour this drink offering on the fire and it would go, you know, what, what liquid does on fire. And then the smoke would rise and that would be the spindu up to the Lord. And it would be a, a great offering and sacrifice unto the Lord. That's what he's saying. He says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering unto my Lord, I will still rejoice. Notice Paul is not talking about his pending death. Oh yeah, I forgot. While he's in chains, he's awaiting his, his execution. Okay, so he's not talking about his pending death as his ultimate sacrifice. You got to see this. He's talking about his life being the ultimate sacrifice. It's why Paul says elsewhere in Romans chapter 12, uh, Romans chapter 12 is, I urge you therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. What is he saying? In view of God's goodness, in view of God's goodness, in view of God's Goodness, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and pleasing. This is your proper worship. He's saying, even if right now, my life, what's happening to me currently, the prison and the chains that I am in, even if all of that is getting poured out, I will still praise you. I will still rejoice. He's saying this circumstance that I didn't choose, I didn't sign up for, I didn't want to happen. I am going to choose that God's still in it. God's still working. God still loves me. God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. And even if he pours me all the way out, I will rejoice. If you can change your circumstance, then do it. If you can't, Change your perspective. How in the world can Paul, from a prison from Rome, think that something good is happening? How can he rejoice? Because for Paul, he wasn't the center of his own story. The key to Paul being able to live this out was he knew he wasn't the center of his own story. Jesus was. And when Jesus is the center of your story, you can change your perspective. Listen, if life is about us, if life is about us, if life is about you, if life is about me, we can complain all day long. We have every right to complain because life is about us. Traffic is about us. School's about us. Bills are about us. COVID is about us. Having not enough time is not about us. Dating is all about us. The weather is all about us. Sure, we're going to complain all day long, and I could run laps with you about complaining. Of course we can. If life is about us, we can complain all day long. But when your life is Jesus at the center, that's how you worship God. That's how you can stop complaining. But if we recognize life isn't us, we can stop complaining. That's the secret. That's the secret. We have been crucified with Christ, therefore we no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in us. And then look how he changes his perspective on a practical level. This is the best. Now I know, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, 
it's become clear that the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. He's saying this, you think I'm the prisoner? <laughs> you, you think I'm the one that's in chains? No, 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 no. Every single day, every eight hours, I get a new Roman soldier chained to me. You talk about a captive audience. Like Paul's like, this is the best. Like I get to do an eight hour sermon and he can't leave. Like, this is amazing. You have no idea what my God is doing. You're telling me that I can be chained to some of the top leaders in Rome and influence the palace and get them to know the goodness and the love and the mercy of Christ. Are you kidding me? You think I'm the prisoner? That guy's totally the prisoner. Bring on another one. Bring on another year. He changed his perspective and that's how the whole palace come to know Jesus. That's how Rome started to spread and the gospel started to spread because Paul was in the very exact place that God wanted him. Think about this. Paul was chained to a soldier. What are you chained to right now? What do you wish you could change? What do you wish was different? What is that part in your life that you're like, this isn't working out like I thought it was going to? Maybe it's a... Maybe it's a health issue. talked to so many in the past six months of their journey of cancer and cancer is such a beast and it amazes me every time that I talk to them their perspective is so holy and righteous amidst the darkest chains that you could think of Maybe it's your parents' divorce. You didn't sign up for that. You didn't sign up for two Christmases. You didn't sign up for every other weekend. Maybe it's singleness. You're like, what the heck, God? I thought you had a plan. I guess my plan's solo. What are you chained to? If you can change your circumstance, then use everything that God's given you to change it. Paul says, even if, even if I'm in prison, even if I can't speak to thousands and influence the city like I thought I could, even if I'm frustrated and disappointed and discouraged, even if I can't find a husband or a wife, even if I can't bring my brother or my mom or my family member back from the dead. I tell you what my hero is for this is my wife. Here's how she would say it. Even if I can't get pregnant for six years, she would say, even if my sister and best friend dies from cancer at 34, I watched my wife 
with a semi coming from this way and a semi coming from this way. Praise Jesus. Paul saying, even if I will praise my God for he has been good to me. And God has been good to us. I don't want to get down on you for complaining. A little conviction never hurt anybody. But there is so much beauty around us. There's so much of the grace of God around us. And if you look for the good, guess what? You're going to find it. And if you find the good, I want you to focus on it. And when you focus on it, I'm telling you it's going to grow. And when it grows, you're going to see more and more of God's goodness in your life. That's what Paul's saying. And so appropriately, we're going to sing more about the goodness of God. So Meg, why don't you come up here? I love how uh, David in the Psalms, David had a lot to complain with too. He's like running for his life for like 20 years, basically from a king that he was supposed to replace. And he's like, what's going on? And inside of thinking about where he is and where he wants to be, he says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Let everything in me give praise to God. Listen, may I never forget the good things that he does for me. What does he do for you? He takes all your sin. And even that would be enough. <laughs> but he doesn't stop there, does he? No. He gives you blessing after blessing after blessing on top of the sin that he paid for with his life. My prayer for you guys over the last two weeks is for you to see the beauty of Jesus and his goodness. And I hope you see it tonight. And I hope it wakes you up. So what I want you to do is I want you to stand up and I want you to take a moment before this next song. And I want you to start worship in a different way. I want you to start it with confession. I want you to start it with confession. I want you to start admitting to God, God, I haven't seen your goodness in this. I haven't seen your goodness in this person. I haven't seen your goodness in my past or my present. I don't see your goodness in my future. God, I'm sorry. I give it to you. I surrender it to you right now. Wherever you are right now, start with confession and we'll sing about his goodness. Thank you for listening to the C2O podcast today. Complaining is something that we all do and it takes our eyes off of Jesus. As we fully focus on God, there is no reason to complain. 
If you would like to learn more about College at 12 Stone, give us a follow on Instagram at C12Stone. Hope to have you join us next week at C12. We meet every Thursday at our Lawrenceville campus at 730. So I hope to see you there on a Thursday night.